This show is distributed by SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to episode 226 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. On today's show, Jason's talking to Ivan Savov, author of The No Bullshit Guide to Math and Physics. Yeah, welcome to the uh, show, Ivan. Um, it's great to have you here. So you are the author of The No Bullshit Guide to Math and Physics. That's correct. That's correct. I sat down and I uh, wrote a book. And so that took, and I, I came to my attention because it took Hacker News by storm a couple weeks ago. Um, so why don't you give us a little background on what the, uh, you know, what story is? All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, for the Hacker News launch specifically, um, that was just the, the last part of it. That the actual launch was kind of unplanned. So that that's interesting because. I just posted it on Hacker News and suddenly there were like 30,000 visitors. Wow. 30,000? <laughs> you got 30,000 hits? In one day. Like the Hacker News wave, as I call it, if you look at Google Analytics, the time that I was on the homepage, uh, it's just tr- amazing, you know? Like if you want to do a product launch in the future, this is how to do it. For possibly have a swear word in the title. This, this gets people... <laughs> Did, how high did you go? Did you hit number one or was it just on the front page somewhere? Oh, yeah. It was number one for the entire January 1st, pretty much. Well, wow. the, the second half of January 1st. And yeah, lots of feedback, lots of comments. And I guess it's some uh, velocity thing. Like if people keep click, 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 well, clicking up, upvoting, yep. it stays uh, on number one. I guess it was also a kind of a slow news day. Right, yeah. And uh, did you plan it for that? Did you think that it was a strategic That's the thing. I, no, I, I didn't really plan. It was more... Um, so I was thinking, okay, when am I going to launch? The book is ready. Uh, I was thinking like early January launch. Right. And then I posted it to see if... Because you know, on the news page, some people read the new, like brand new Hacker News news. Right. And I played with the title a little bit too much, but I guess it was all caps. Then I took out the all caps and then suddenly I didn't have control of the news story. Uh, Someone edited it. Right. And so it was now like all lowercase, no bullshit guide. I was like, oh yeah, that's actually a better way to word it. But then I couldn't like remove it because you know, when you post to Hacker News, you can sort of cancel the story. Right. And I was like, okay, it's a launch. (laughs) So I started emailing (laughs) friends to, you know, Help me upvote, and I think with the three initial upvotes from friends, uh, it showed up. I guess because if it's a brand new story, it will show up on the homepage even with three upvotes. Right. And then people liked it, so I just stood there and watched in awe. Actually, I didn't get up from the chair for like twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah, managing. Were you just replying to comments and emails. <laughs> That's right. That's why I wanted to be there. And yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing like to see it finally come to fruition. And the, the feedback has been amazing. Like I knew people cared 
about math, but not that much, you know, like there was... Uh, well, you probably hit the right crowd, you know, the Hacker News crowd <laughs> is really uh, the right market for the de- right demographic. It's, it's sort of the Hacker News launch or the show Hacker News, show HN thing is, is kind of like the new tech crunch, I guess. Yeah, and it's like, this is people who actually give feedback. Like, it's not like a launch. I, I see a lot of PR stuff. Mm-hmm. And whereas Hacker News is people who will take the time to reply. I mean, many people will reply. So just to compare Hacker News and Reddit. So someone launch, put, um, put the new, the post up on Reddit mm-hmm. and there were very different kind of feedback. It was just like personal attacks and like, who is this guy? This is bullshit. Oh, the no bullshit guy is bullshit. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and except for one or two replies, it was uh, just noise. Whereas on Hacker News, people were like, okay, I see what you're doing, but you need to do this. Uh, and for example, the PDF, people were like, hey, what is this? The Dark Ages? Why are you selling printed books? Sell a PDF. And I was like, okay, okay, make a PDF immediately. Right, right. Yeah, you're 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 generally going to get really good feedback on Hacker News. I mean, you'll get some you you'll get some confrontational comments here and there, but the the majority of them will be positive or at least informative. <clears throat> and I think it's because the um, the moderators, uh, you know, have a they 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 force a civil discussion for the most part. I mean, you get downvoted pretty quickly and, and you, you lose points pretty quickly if, you, uh, if your comments are just negative without content or trollish in any way. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I appreciate Hacker News, the conversation and everything that's happening there. It's, and it sort of came up out of nowhere because a year ago, was Hacker News such a big thing a year ago? I mean, I've been reading for a year Maybe two years ago, did it exist, the news? Oh, site? yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's been around for, uh, I don't know, I want to say like four years, maybe four or five years, maybe. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's been big for a while. I don't think it's grown that much in the last couple of years, maybe 20, maybe 50% or something. Um, it it kind of, I think I saw a graph not too long ago. It's, it showed it kind of plateaued out not too long ago. Mm-hmm. plateaued i guess so okay well, why don't you just give us a little background on on what the book is about i mean now that we know it's about calculus and physics but <laughs> no only why did you write it i mean what what's what's the uh what's the okay. point so yeah a bit of backstory what i mean i did the, my undergrad studies in um engineering and you know standards uh so at my university mcgill uh, we, we're in the same class, physicists and engineers, and you, you have to buy pretty much the same books as the, the entire, the university makes a deal. The calculus book will be so-and-so and everyone is forced to buy this one textbook. So right from there, I, I felt something, you know, I, I had to buy this book and I used it and I learned, but then I, I realized that something better can be done. So as I learned about LaTeX, the typesetting language, I started to write some notes when you, as I was learning things, uh, write like class notes for myself, personal notes. And then I said, wow, I will make a book of advanced physics subjects, like advanced physics tutorials. And so I, I ran well, with that. That's a big for- jump for making <laughs> notes to yourself to like, I'm going to make a book. I mean, whoa, whoa. 
Well, why? no, that's the thing. It's just like collections of, for example, give you an idea of, um, yeah, there is these formulas in um, vector calculus uh-huh. where you just, they tell you in polar coordinates, the gradient or the Laplace equation looks like this. And there's one over cos squared and there is a bunch of things that, you know, they just tell you, memorize this formula. So when I learned uh, how to derive the formula, which is really neat thing, I was like, okay, I have to write this down. Like I found it in an obscure book and my textbook just had the formula. It's like, use this. This is the Laplacian in 3D in polar coordinates. So uh, I really like to see where things come from. I think it's a, uh, I prefer to know the derivation than the actual formula because the formula you, you can just memorize. You cannot understand it. It's just like, okay, well, this complicated looking thing. Whereas if I give you a method, how to derive the formula from something more basic, uh, first principle. And so this is the kind of thing I was collecting, you know, it's not so much a textbook, more like selection of um, cool, st- cool things for advanced physics. Okay. So it, it could become a textbook, I guess, but yeah, it's just personal notes, the best of, but you, you uh, at some point I realized like the best of Ivan? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, resources for physicists. Think of it like, right. um, you know, the target audience was people like me, let's say master student in physics, and they can handle the intensity. Like you don't need to uh, baby step them. You just say, hey, this is some advanced topics, uh, like for us, by us, physicists. Right. And then I realized that there's not that many physicists. <laughs> you right. know, like if you're going to make a, a textbook, you should, well, it, thinking of it as a community project, it would be fine. But usually people who are that advanced, they, they don't need the textbook explaining these things, you know, like they, they can go and they already have books or they can pretty much derive it on their own. Right. So it didn't make too much sense as a business. It made sense as a personal project, you know, collecting uh, cool think cool facts about physics, but he didn't make too much sense as a business. So I guess that's five years ago. Now, did you do anything with it, or were you just making notes or right, putting on the web, or or what, how far how how far did you follow through on that before you realized that there wasn't going to be a great business? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wrote maybe five six articles on my computer. Like, yeah, it, it didn't go anywhere as okay. as such. Um, and then I realized, okay, so. Let's go for um, something more mainstream. Hence, actually, that's where the name Mini Reference comes from. Right, because that's interesting. Your your domain name is minireference.com as opposed to No Bullshit Guide to Math and Physics. Yeah, so actually the the No Bullshit title came uh, maybe two weeks ago because for the longest time I I was looking for a better title. The Uh book's title was The Math and Physics Mini Reference. Right. Uh, <laughs> Until, yeah. yeah, you know, it's not so good. <laughs> yeah, titles are important, you know, and uh, I, I bet you if it was the mini reference, it wouldn't have hit number one on Hacker News. I mean, it may not even made it on the front page. Right, right. So this is, uh, I have to give uh, props to my friend Adriano Ferrari, who uh, we were discussing. He's also a startup guy and we're brainstorming about another project he's like oh how's the book going he took a look and he's like oh yeah you should call it the no bullshit guide <laughs> and he actually followed up with the photoshop design of the cover page and i was like wow i mean 
this is going <laughs> this is going to print like this uh, because and it, it's surprising because I was selling it on campus on uh, at McGill uh-huh. and even art students who walk by and they're like oh shit no bullshit like <laughs> let me and I was like wow this is a good title like you yeah anything I, I mean I had math and physics prerequisite math and physics uh, super guide but nothing catchy you know Nothing irreverent. I mean, it's it's you don't see a lot of irreverence in uh, highly technical fields. It's just really pretty dry. So I think that that really stands out. I mean, it's it's funny and um, it's. Not, I mean, it sounds like it captures what you're trying to do. I mean, I guess we'll get more into that. But uh, yeah, the title I think makes a big difference. Yeah. So the the title is definitely um, was it was a big hit. Um, so does the where what I was discussing is the the, the, so the physics formula, the physics advanced physics side of things got was abandoned. Then I figured, okay, if we're going more towards students mainstream, what they want is are the formulas. So let's have a formula sheet. Let's have a mini reference where all the formulas from all the textbooks are collected. So it was going to be, uh, think like a pocket uh, guide with just formulas. Right. And so that's what I worked on for some time. And again, then I realized you can't actually learn from a formula sheet. Like, let's say you know calculus, and then you have just a little book of formulas that remind you of what you learned. It would be fine, but it's not a textbook. It wouldn't be, if there was just the formulas, it wouldn't be enough for you to pick it up and start learning. Right. So that was the final uh, pivot it was like, okay, well, let's uh, have the formulas there, but add enough content, enough context. So motivational, um, like, why are you learning this kind of intros? And then explanations to, you know, how do you use these formulas? You told me the formula. Now show me an example or like explain where does the formula come from and how it's used. So that that's sort of the genesis of the book is from advanced physics to not so advanced physics and you know adding the f- explanations because perhaps that's the base uh the most value in the book is from these explanations because the formulas you can find anywhere you know if you go to wikipedia yeah i mean in, in the, i guess they have those cheat sheets you, know, you go into bookstores sometimes they'll have like a or especially in academic bookstores, they'll have like those laminated cheat sheets for physics and calculus and vector calculus and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So in the competition folder in my project, I, when I saw these laminated sheets, I was like, oh, damn, <laughs> these people are doing it already. Right. But again, you know, that's, I, first of all, I saw there was something, someone in that market already. And second of all, can you really learn from a cheat sheet? You know, it's, it's, if really. you know it already, yeah, it's it's a different product, and um, that that's how we got to. Uh, I guess the the best description of the book would be tutorials, right? No bullshit tutorials. No bullshit. Okay, so um, now you're right. Now the cheat sheet or the list of formulas is probably what like five pages or ten pages or something. So you know, expanding that to tutorials must have been a much bigger job, right? I mean, that's, that wasn't just a minor pivot. Uh, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
was like, well, so, I'll just take this the next couple of weeks and I'll just write to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll big. just drink, make a coffee, a coffee pot, like just shoot coffee in my veins. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it, it, it took, I, I was actually looking this up recently. The, uh, the version control has 200 commits since 2010. And I believe there was stuff in there before. But once you have a vision, you know, it's, it's easy to write because, um, yeah, I, what can I say? You know, someone, my friend was saying, oh, you sat down and wrote this. Well, it, it took two years, you know, like it wasn't a high intensity, like I'm sitting down and this is my life. I just write this. But if you, if you have a free moment and especially if you see a nice explanation, if you, because I do a lot of private tutoring uh, after a lesson, it's quite easy to sit down and write down what you just taught in person. Were you using your tutorial sessions as a uh, way to beta test the product in a way? I mean, would you try out your explanations that you'd written before, or were, or, or were you just simply trying to explain something to you know your student, and then when you realize that your explanations, once you found an explanation that worked, you would then go and write it down? Um, the more, more the latter. Yes. I mean, if you come home from a tutorial and you, you liked a particular way you explained it today, that would be the threshold for me to, to like open a file and say, Oh, I should write this down. This was a good explanation today. How many, how much tutoring did you do? I mean, was this, were you just tutoring every once in a while or were you just like, did you have a lot of tutoring sessions so that you had a lot of sort of, um, uh, inspiration to, to write down your uh, explanations? Oh, quite a bit, quite a bit. So, I mean, I started, this has been my uh, side income uh, while at university, like, you know, around exam time, uh, I put an advert, you know, tutoring, math and physics tutoring. And yeah, so maybe, yeah, I mean, 10 years experience where each year it's really a seasonal thing around December and uh, May, the exam season. And what, what I, I guess that's what helped me focus the book is because I realized, you know, people don't need help with advanced uh, subjects. It's these uh, first year courses that people have trouble with. I mean, in the sense, have enough trouble to ask for a tutor, you know, to be... Right. And so that, that's where the, the focus went. And, you know, after repeating, I guess that's the, the, the real story of the book is after 10 years of repeating the same jokes and the same uh, <laughs> explanations, I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, right. I really like talking to people and, you know, teaching is, is, a, is an amazing job. I think it's one of the rare jobs where you can come home and, you know, what did you do today? And you say, well, this person learn something and you know you, you, it's it's a self it's it's a rewarding feeling when you see someone get get what's going on and so but you can't it's the same like there's no growth i mean every year it's calculus 1 or calculus 2 or advanced calculus okay then it's a little bit more interesting but you you can't uh you can't keep i i personally after 10 years i imagine a teacher with uh, more than 10 years experience teaching the same course over and over again, it becomes a routine. So I said, let's write this down. (laughs) 
Right. And then when I, students come to me, I can just be like, hey, read this book, read these tutorials. And that's part of why the, it reads like a tutorial. It's because it is a tutorial that's been written down. So if you wrote it over a period of two years, I mean, how serious were you about making it into a book versus just writing stuff down for your own uh, so that you could use it again in your next tutorial session? You would remember how to explain it. I mean, was it the kind of thing where you were like, I think I'm going to make this book, but we'll see. Or were you just dead set on making this thing happen? Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I guess 50-50. I mean, um, depending on the amount of coffee and mental, mental weather, as, as I call it. Uh-huh. I was like, wow, this is going to be a great business. People will learn from this and it will be great. And sometimes you're just like, well, even if it doesn't work out, at least I, I have written down. Because part of what, what happens is um, if you don't use calculus, like imagine you learned it at university, I mean, if you don't use it, like, for example, things that I taught that I, uh, you know, haven't used for five years, it was quite difficult to teach the material because it doesn't come like easily to you. And so that's what, for me, what I was saying, okay, now that I've been tutoring it so often, I would like to write it down just for me. Right. And sometimes I was thinking, oh, wow, this is turning out pretty good it should be uh, like it can be turned into a business and only recently when I saw uh, you know the, the, the three chapters come come uh, to fruition and I saw that uh, basically I had 70% of the book done as you know I was like okay if I add this other 30% it will become a full textbook you know now it was these like uh, separate tutorials on different subjects, but then I guess it's when I realized I wanted to make it a proper book, I, I organized it and I set it up so that it's uh, you know makes sense as a whole instead of being just like blog posts that are right, just- right. Well, you know, it's, it's I mean, just kind of looking at the PDF. I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of work in just in doing like the uh, page layout. Um, stuff. I mean, how did how did you manage that? Did you do it all yourself, or did you outsource that to somebody? Uh, well, that's the beauty of LaTeX. You know, if you uh, anything, I mean, it could be. I mean, I'm not saying the book is low quality, but any text you take and you run it through LaTeX, suddenly it looks like really good. <laughs> it's not, I'm serious because uh, I do a lot of research, and you have some notes that really it's like brainstorming and like uh, fresh out of the uh, of your mind you know like very disorganized notes then you take them and suddenly it looks like wow this is deep science (laughs) (laughs) that's funny um so i think the 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 layout specifically it's it's latex and i mean i know how to use latex so it's it's really the default style sheet uh, right. with some modifications here and there. but yeah. So how did you go about combining math and physics? I mean, you, you talk about it, um, I think how you describe it on, on many reference. You say, um, well, basically say that if uh, you learn calculus without physics, you don't really know why you're learning calculus, what it's about. And if you learn physics without calculus, you're not really going to understand 
the physics. Um, but obviously, that's not how it's taught normally. Uh, normally, it's you take your calculus class, you take your physics class, and you, if you do it in high school, then your physics class has little, if any, physics. I mean, a little, if any, calculus in it. And then it's like later you take a, a physics. If in college, if you do take college level physics, they'll have you know calculus in it. And and then some class, some classes, or I mean, some high schools or some colleges, I guess in particular, would have you take them concurrently. Sorry, would take the calculus and the calculus-based physics at the same time, but still not really a norm. I mean, how did you go about combining that? What were your thoughts on it? Right. So this is this was the the biggest challenge actually, and perhaps the biggest opportunity because uh, how do you how can you exactly like you said it's a chicken and egg problem and how can you resolve this um, so there is a way there is a way I mean I I guess the second edition was essentially two textbooks the calculus textbook and the physics textbook um, chapters and because calculus is required for physics I put calculus, uh, calculus was, let's say, chapter two, and mechanics was chapter three. But then it, it didn't work, because if you just sit there and, and read, uh, 50, even if it's just 50 pages of calculus, it's very abstract stuff, and it, why are you learning this? You know, like there's no, I mean, you can motivate it with business applications or other things, but really, you know, Newton and Leibniz, they had physics in mind. So right. it's, it's, it was a tricky business to do. And so the trick is, the, 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 my solution to this problem is I realized at some point that the only thing you needed to know to do physics is uh, how to do two integrals. The integral right. of a constant function and the integral of a line. Okay. Pretty much every time you, I mean, there perhaps there's something more, but for mechanics, you just need these two integrals. So uh, that's, that's how I, I basically do a mini calculus section that teaches these two techniques. And that's important is it's not like analogy with integrals. It's the actual, like I, that's, that's what I uh, dislike the most about physics, uh, about a lot of textbooks in physics is that they're like giving you an analogy that's uh, leaky abstractions. You know, they say, oh, integrals are a bit like this. Mm -hmm. Like just using words because they say, oh, if I show them the, the, the formula, uh, let's say high school math or high school physics, I like these are just kids. I cannot show them the, the formula, the real formula. So I'll just show them some, you know, something I cooked up in my mind. And they, then they will get the idea. And it's like, no, if, if you're going to use calculus, then you have to show them the real thing because you can't, you can't have this um, analogies. Like analogies are useful if you want to understand a little bit, but if you're supposed to use the concepts, it's, it's not enough. So just to, yeah, I guess summarize because it's, it's, a, it's a long thing. You can... Uh, find you can order the material in such a way that uh, you cover a little bit of calculus like the minimum requirements and then you can do a proper physics class uh, with the calculus component and then you say well you know you just learned you saw what you can do with calculus in physics let's learn a little bit more theory and that's roughly how the book goes now could you um 
uh, I mean, could you motivate the? Fi- I mean, it would seem like it, it would make it easier to understand the, cal- the or the understand the why of the calculus if you tried to solve a problem with physics. But you're like, okay, now we can't. We can't really. We don't really know how to do that. <laughs> so let's learn a little math. I mean, do you do you ever motivate it that way, or do you always just build the tools first and then use the tools? Um. Yeah. Well. Technically, it, you can learn physics without calculus. I mean, uh, this is the whole idea of algebra-based uh, physics. Mm-hmm. So at, at uh, my university, they have two sessions for the mechanics class. They have the algebra-based, which is taken by health sciences, like so biology, medic, med- your future doctor <laughs> didn't right. learn calculus <laughs> physics. But you, you, you can get away with it, but... Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's better if you have the calculus. I mean, it's, it's a good motivation, but I, no, I, I generally just go straight out. This is something I learned from my supervisor. You can trick people into learning advanced topics if you make it like sound like it's nothing. Right. So you just say like, oh, by the way, we'll just do a little calculus here. If you say, now I will teach you calculus, which is this big serious thing. And, you know, there will be, people will be apprehensive about what you're going to teach them. If you make it sound as a, like a matter of fact um, side comment, oh yeah, right. now we're going to look at these triangles here. And you're actually teaching them the, how to do these two integrals. It, it's, it's much better. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to, Make it sound like it's a big thing. Well, you know, it's it it, it, it's it's kind of like um, you you in some way you could say that learning or teaching is as much about managing the intellectual obstacles. Um, actually, it's it's more about managing the emotional obstacles than it is the intellectual obstacles in some ways. Um, That's you know, very it, true. You know, it's like when you have, um, you know, they always talk about math anxiety, and I'm sure as a tutor, you run into tons of kids or students. Uh, I should say, since they're probably college age mostly, who come to you and are confused and frustrated and you're like, calm down. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Let's just break it down. And then they relax. And once they relax and realize it's not a big deal and, 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 and get some wins, they solve some problems that they're able to learn better. I mean, do you, do you find that it, managing their emotional, their psychological disposition is, is a big part of the challenge? In, absolutely. Tutoring? Yes, yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, I'd say even up to 40% of my tutoring, like, cause you know, a tutor is a whole service. It's a, the service industry. You know, you say, yeah. uh, I will pay you this much per hour because I want you to teach me, uh, this material. Like I want to pass the exam. Actually, they don't want to learn. <laughs> Oftentimes right. that's, that's the, the sad part about tutoring is you get some people who actually don't want to learn. Uh, they just want to pass the exam. But like you said, a great, I mean, maybe even 50% of the time is spent there and you say, don't worry, the exam will be okay. Uh, what you need to know is this, this sort of the concept map and just t- telling, okay, this is what you have to learn. Or like, don't worry, you, you missed uh, three weeks of school. Don't, this is what you missed. And you show them um, really the high level overview, give them orientation Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is for them to to feel uh, comfortable and just you know I think it's a lot of learning is you you watch your teacher and the attitude of the teacher 
And so that's what I'm trying to impress upon them is like, listen, everything is simple. Like this is the first mechanics course. I know it, it sounds like very advanced material, but just step by step, break down the problems. You can do it. And yeah, it's math anxiety, math phobia. You have to, that's the, that's the main obstacle. You have really smart people, but they're like, no, no, no. I don't know this. Like, I'm not good at this. And you're right, because like, you could break, like you said, you can break everything down into very small parts. And, you know, we know this from computer science and your, your PhD is in computer science. And, you know, most of our listeners are a good portion of them are coders. So it's like you have this very complicated, you know, algorithm or series of algorithms that make something happen. But at any given point, it's just a loop or if then or an assignment. I mean, it's at the simplest level, I mean, you, you just break it down into smaller and smaller functions and it's not that complicated. And I think math's the same way. You break it down into simple or steps. It's multiplication, division, you know, <laughs> subtraction. I mean, it's not, if you break it down to small enough points, it's not too big a deal. And you just have to, it seems like it just like a lot of, a lot of the effort is getting the kids to see how, understand how it's just breaking things down into smaller bits that they can understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also the fact of, it can be broken down because a lot of people assume that physics is some sort of like you, you look at an equation with like 20 terms in it and you're like, I understand this. I'm like, no, no, you, maybe you, like you said, you understand the individual terms in the equation and you know what's going on, but no one can understand. It's, it's like everything in life. As soon as there are seven symbols in an equation, I cannot tell you what it, what's going on. Like I, know that if I have to solve for some unknown, I could do five, six steps and get it. But it's so easy to be intimidated. And that's the thing. It's like people shut down. As soon as they're intimidated, that's what I, you have to train students is like, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's complicated. But what? It will take you three minutes instead of 40 seconds. You know, like if you follow the steps and that's another thing. You don't want to teach them too much steps. You just want to tell them f there are steps to follow. If you break it down into, um, uh, you can break down problems because a lot of people are looking for like a recipe, which is also anti-intellectual. Like if someone says, how do we solve this type of problem? And they're like waiting for you to give them a pre-cooked recipe that they will apply on the exam later on. Uh, I don't think, I mean, I prefer that you try on your own and maybe you fail two times and then you get it on the third time, but you'll be learning in the process. If, if I tell you like the, this, the, the most direct recipe, it's, it's not actually learning. You know, I just, I solved the problem for you. You know, it's a, a couple of things that you said, which are, I'd like to kind of expand on because I think there's interesting is the, is the idea of the tutor. You said it's like service business and it's, and, and it's a way you're kind of like half, you're like part instructor, part therapist <laughs> <laughs> and part like personal trainer or something. You know, it's like you got a motive. Personal trainer is kind of like, come on, you can do this motivation. <laughs> the instructor is like, okay, how do I explain this way? It makes sense. Part of it's like therapist was like, okay, now look, just calm down. It's okay. Tell me what you're upset about or why you're frustrated. Okay. Let's just, get through this you know uh, yeah it's it's a crisis it's, intervention specialist <laughs> you know? oh yeah, yeah yeah if people come two days before the exam and they're like teach me everything and you're like oh my god give me a week okay but two yeah. days i mean no sleep is also a, a factor in terms of learning theory 
my physics teacher used to say, you need, there's nothing you can do in the week before the final to change the grade you get, which is obviously false, but he's trying to make us think like, learn a little bit in advance, like sleep on it once. If you have two nights of sleep, like intense studying and sleep is much more powerful than just cramming the night before and not sleeping. Like it's, it's amazing what the difference a good night's sleep will make. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, I didn't learn that until a couple <laughs> of college. I think in my freshman year, I, I, I pulled an all-nighter for every single physics midterm and final, which it was a mistake. I think I was probably shaved 20 IQ points off as a result. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, the thing you said is about like how you, when you talk to the kids, or, or I keep saying kids, students, I should say, we talk to the students about, um, and trying to make it not seem like a big deal, kind of reminds me of like when you're a parent, and you have little kids, which I do, and if they hurt themselves, especially when they're really little, they're like, you know, one or two or three, you don't want to make them seem like it's a big deal. Like, you would see parents rush over to their kid, and as soon as their kid, the little kid knows that the parents are worried, thinks it's a big deal, then they freak out, right? If if the kid falls down and scrapes their knee or whatever, gets a little bump, you look at him like, you know, you actually like you don't even see it, and they come over to you, and you're like, yeah, you're fine, go play. And then they're like, okay, they go play. But if you, like, give into it, then they, it just makes it a big deal. So it's like you want to downplay like trauma and stuff as much as possible. Say, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And um, I used to, just another story. I, and my, uh, I, I were talking to uh, my wife about this and, uh, you know, and you hear teachers would say this. Parents do this all the time. Like, you know, they talk to the kids like, oh, well, you're in the third grade now or you're in first grade or whatever. Now it's serious business. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like you're no longer in kindergarten. Now it's like this. And I'm like, I think that's the wrong approach. I mean, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, it's pretty much the same thing, a little different. Like, if you, you make a big deal of it, the kids get all intimidated and worried, you know? And, I'm like, and plus, they don't think it's fun. They get all like, oh, this is going to suck. And they get the bad attitude about it. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, I think that, that's, that's kind of, yep. Sorry, go on. Anyway, I think it's the same way with what you, it sounds very similar to what you're doing, whether it's little kids or adults learning stuff. It's all about just keeping them positive and not stressed out and intimidated. Right. And there's some, uh, I guess you would call it mirroring, like they will imitate your behavior. <laughs> right. So if you, if you, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going back to the, the science thing. Uh, but, you know, if I, I learned this from, I had a really good teacher in, um, so in Quebec here, we have a CEGEP, which is a two-year degree between high school and university. So think last year of high school and freshman year of university we have a, a separate college system for those two years. And uh, my physics teacher was this really like relaxed guy. And he's just like, oh yeah, so we're going to do this. But it, he made it sound like it was trivial stuff. I mean, it's mechanics, but uh, you know, like you haven't seen vectors before and it's going to be complicated. But he's just like, okay, it's a vector. Break it down. What's the X component? Okay, write it down. What's the Y component? All right. So, and I, I just looking at him, I mean, that's the, the why teachers are so important because you yeah. forget about the knowledge they impart. It's the attitudes that you, you, you just don't have the choice but to uh, absorb it from them. And if the teacher, there was another teacher who was more stressed out or, you know, if the teacher is not on top of their game or it, they think that it's complicated stuff, 
you think it's complicated stuff. And with my teacher, I was like, wow, this is really the entire course is, uh, you know, it's, it's like, like, he makes it sound like common sense, you know? Whereas, yeah, well, it's like, it's like, um, <laughs> it's the worst kind of when you walk into the class and the teacher's like, tries to scare us like, well, a lot of you aren't going to pass this class. <laughs> Like, oh, wow. Oh, like, he freaks out. It's like the movie Avatar where the guy's like, you know, I can remember the name of the planet. It's like, this planet will chew you up and shit you out. Yeah, probably not the, the best approach to teaching. <laughs> we were looking at each other. I mean, it's like you want to do the opposite, right? We just, ah, look, just don't be an idiot. You know, I mean, relax. You know, we'll get through this. Show up to class. This is easy. This is fun stuff, you know. Well, <laughs> That's really funny. Um, all right, so I want to ask you a little bit about, um, you know, your your motivation again, because you know, in terms of getting the actual book, I mean, you know, did you you really think about turning this into a full fledged business, or was it more like to, you know, make some side income? I mean, what 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 is the plan, or what was what was the plan, and how maybe has that plan evolved? Uh, right. So it is a business. I mean. It is a, it's kind of funny that it's, it's a book, but it's a business because, um, so the, the, the story when it became a business is perhaps, uh, a year ago when I started to work on it more seriously and trying to, um, put it, get it in shape as a book and testing with, uh, students. So the, the, the pre-launch was last year in November when I, I, you know, got the second edition out. Mm-hmm. and tested it with uh, students but yeah it's i think selling textbooks or just books in general uh can be is a viable business model mm-hmm. and uh, roughly by the time like at some point eh, maybe halfway through my phd or near the end i realized i wasn't going to continue in academia mm-hmm. and so i i have this uh, folder on my computer with business ideas and I was like, okay, let's see which one of these can make money, like pay rent in by, you know, because as a graduate student, you get a, a scholarship, you get a stipend, and it's really a, a very worry-free life. It's just money just shows up in your uh, bank account. Right. And, and you just read science paper. So it's, it's like, um, it's a great career. And I, I was, I'm fortunate to have a, my supervisor, Patrick Hayden, who's, very chill guy and he doesn't like uh, I mean some PhDs are just exploitation and you know the, the prof will ask you to do stuff every week and what's your progress and this whereas he has been great he's just like hey do research do what you would like to work on but I knew that at some point this this would end and uh, I looked at what I have with the book and I said okay this 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 will sell uh, let's get it into a product form and get it. I mean, the version we have right now is because um, I have other chapters that are nearly done. But then I said, what is the minimum viable book? <laughs> right. Your MVB. MVB. <laughs> and I've, you know, calculus and mechanics together. All right. And you, you add, um, I, I have this on the website. If you go apt learn. Uh, mechanics, like just added the high school stuff, uh, high school math, 
as prerequisites to, so that the book is self-contained. And I say, okay, well, this is a nice package. Uh, this will be uh, the test product or the, the first. And I guess that the bigger, the longer term, it's more, uh, you know, how can I be a, it's a publishing house, you know, it's not one product. It's going to be uh, maybe two, three titles uh, of my own. Like I, I feel confident enough to write uh, about certain subjects. You know, it's something I believe you have to be, you know, expert in a field. Like if I start writing about things that I just learned last week, I'm sure I can make jokes about them, but I wouldn't be able to really teach the material the way I can teach things that I've had 10 years experience teaching, you know, it's, it's right. different. But yeah, so I want to be a publishing house and possibly if other people, let's say a chemist who wants to uh, do a no bullshit guide to chemistry uh, would like to publish with me, I would, you know, I can be sort of like a, a platform and it's more like the know-how, like I'm learning a lot from typesetting, you know, book production, I'm learning about eBooks now. I think someone who wants to partner with me and use the no bullshit brand, I guess it's too early to talk about the brand now. Well, I think it's a good idea though. It's like the dummy, you know, for idiots guide or for dummies, you know, stuff. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of those sort of brands that they, you know, they made easy or in 24 hours, but I like the bullshit. No bullshit is a good brand. That makes sense. Without insulting the reader, right. <laughs> you're a dumbass. <laughs> Buy my book. Exactly. I'm like, what? How does this make sense? Why are you insulting your readers? <laughs> right, right. So, um, how are you, are, are, are you willing to share how many purchases of the book you've had so far, or how many you got as a result of the Hacker News wave? Oh uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's all open books. Okay, great. Where, where I'm concerned, I have a blog post in the works on that with some uh, numbers, but I have the numbers right here. Um, so, like I said, about 30,000 people. So, in the period of uh, a week, mm-hmm. because there was some tra- tra- trail off after yeah. the Hack News launch. Sure. <laughs> the trow of sorrow. <laughs> I think it's not like that. Yeah. yeah. Just it's like after the Hacker News launch or after the TechCrunch, you know, people are like, oh, it's, it's a little bit extra traffic. But okay, so roughly the numbers are 30,000 visitors. Uh-huh. And of those, uh, 7,000 people. So I have this um, in Google Analytics, you can track okay. events. And so every time someone clicked on the one of the uh, interactive discussions things or a, a, a pop a popover, like the model dialogues, Right. Like I would see it as, I mean, I call that engagement. You know, they they didn't come and leave the page. They actually wanted to, they, were, they sounded interesting. And from there, I had like 300 uh, copies sold in print. Right. And what was surprising is the 100 copies in, uh, sold the PDF. So a lot of people prefer the PDF. I mean doesn't make too much sense to me, but I guess with um, a lot of people have iPads and e-reader devices. I just want to read so. there. On the, so that was a 300 total or, a, um, or 300 plus the 100 PDFs? Or? So yeah, 400 copies sold across okay. all 
formats, which to me is absolutely amazing because honestly, I knew there was going to be some interest. I mean, I, uh, I did sort of um, talk about the book on Hacker News earlier and I had some excellent feedback but this is out of any uh, ballpark that I expected. And I was maybe expecting to sell 50 books. Like, right. I was thinking if I sell 50 books, this is confirmation for the hypothesis that people will... Because like, I mean, in, in modern day and age, trying to sell a book is a bit, you know, weird. You know, why are you selling printed books? Are you crazy? Right. <laughs> right. And so I was going to judge... Uh, it's like an experiment. I, I would have judged... 50 or 100 books sold as a success, a validation that people are still interested in uh, printed books. And with 300 books sold in print, I'm like, okay, there is a business in this. And um, I'm really less worried about my uh, survival because my bank account was not looking very good. I had basically <laughs> a four or five months runway to, to make one of these business ideas from the folder work. Right. And now I have another couple of months. So if, yeah, that, that's, that's the numbers. And I'm, I've, it's comparable. I, there's um, a book about web design. Uh, I forgot the author's name, but he, he mentioned something very similar. He launched an ebook on Hacker News, and he had similar kind of figures over the the launch. So, if there's a product that people like, I mean, it's it's very new to me. You just put up on some HTML page as a, a product page, and people will give you money. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of neat. That <laughs> works that way. It's that simple, <laughs> and and then you don't have to share your your uh, income with a publisher so much. I mean, I mean, I guess Lulu charges something, right? How much? How much do they get? So you charge you charge what twenty nine dollars for the book, and then how mm-hmm. much would that would Lulu take? So Lulu's uh, Lulu's policy is thirty percent of the profits. So the book costs okay. about ten dollars to print. Okay. So out of the twenty, the profits would be let's say nineteen. Okay. Then when they take six bucks from that, I'm left with fourteen dollars profit per book. Fourteen. Well, it's, so it's you're. Prof- Fifty percent, which uh, should be compared to any standard uh, publisher, because you know I've been talking about the book to many people. They uh-huh. say, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is good. You should get it published." And I'm saying, "What do you mean?" Like, "No, no, get a get a go to a publisher. They will do a really great job at this." And if you like standard publishers, the royalties are five percent if they're generous, right? Or maybe maybe ten percent if you're a superstar, which I'm not. So let's say five percent. I mean, it's it's we are talking fifty percent here, and right. the PDF it's more like ninety percent. Now, what about uh, putting it on Amazon? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's in the works. I just haven't. Um, someone actually said I would have purchased it. Uh, if it were on Amazon, I don't trust these Lulu people. Who are these Lulu people? So I was like, okay. <laughs> Who are these Lulu people? Yeah. What is yeah, going what on? What name is that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds very weird. They talk serious business. And you're like, oh yeah, I use Lulu. <laughs> They're like, okay. Lulu Lemon? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Different. Well, different. 
Yeah, it seems like your big your um the big advantage of of Amazon is just um, discoverability. You know, right. people who bought this also bought this, or people search for calculus or physics. It you know maybe it would you know cut people will find you who wouldn't normally find you. Right. The marketplace is is definitely. Uh, I mean, it's the same with iBooks, and I'm I'm still uh, working out how to get a EPUB version mm-hmm. because on, on Amazon you could have it directly go to Kindle, you know, like a Kindle version, right? As well as the print version. So, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just haven't gotten around to doing it. It's all been kind of rushed since January 1st. It's a lot of things going on, but yes, amazon.com as a print book would definitely be the next step. Now, have you had any, have any thought towards like, say making a video tutorials? to go along with it or is for an additional charge, kind of like the peep code approach. Um, Are you familiar with yeah, peep code? Yeah. No, is it a rails thing? I, I know no, rails. Well, code, yeah, they do like screencasts. So they do it for, for tons of different uh, programming languages and stuff. So it's kind of like Khan How Academy, you except you pay code? for it. <laughs> right. And, and there's, you know, they're, but they're more, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never used one, but I mean, yeah, I think the guy does a really good business out of it. And I think I've heard that people really like the really high quality. Um, and I would just, anyway, I just want to put your thought, what your thoughts are towards the, you know, explaining stuff in videos, you know, using screencast or, you know, whatever, as opposed to. Um, uh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, perhaps not as a revenue stream. I mean, I would have to take a look at uh, uh, this peep code thing, but I was thinking, so the website right now is just this uh, book product page. And I, I have much greater plans for that is uh, perhaps free video tutorials because, you know, you can walk through is a sort of like promo for the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can walk through the chapters and say, oh, let me give you like um, sort of like guided reading and extra explanations but I really see the revenue, uh, the book is the product. You know, I, I want people to think of the book as uh, what I'm selling because I, I find it, so that's the thing other people have said, why don't you charge people for like a website and have the material on, a, on, on the web? And the, the thing is, people are used to getting stuff for free on the web. Like when I go to a website and they're saying, look, to get this uh, HTML page, I know I, I know it's about the knowledge that went into the page, not the actual delivery. But it remains that if I'm offering, let's say, uh, tut- video tutorials, mm-hmm. when they're perfectly good, like for for money, non-free video tutorials, when there is Khan Academy, which is uh, pretty good, and there is this. Um, Oh, I forgot his name, but there's another guy who does video tutorials. It's really good. Uh, why would you come and buy my tutorial? I mean, even if it's like really good. Yeah, I, you know, I it think it comes wrong. down. It, uh, I sorry? Mean, yeah, I mean, I, like I'm looking at the Peep Code website and, and it looks like most of their stuff is like $12. So for me, $12, and I don't think for most people, $12 is a big deal, you right? California people, you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, even if you're a student, right, you go to Starbucks and you get a, you know, a, an espresso and like a scone or something, right? You're almost pushing 12 bucks. And if, 
if you found a decent uh, tutorial that was going to save you hours, days, weeks of frustration, um, I mean, it seems like a really obvious way to spend your your money. Now, maybe students, maybe your demographic hasn't quite figured that out yet. You know, maybe it takes it later. I mean, money is money is more dear to them than say time and frustration, or the time or the avoidance of frustration. But um, you know, I don't know. That's that's one thing to consider. But you know, it, it all depends on demographic, I guess. So, Peep Code is for like professionals who are learning, right? You know, right. Web developing, and they're like, dude, twelve bucks, whatever. I mean, if this is me up to speed done, you're right. I mean, if you think about it like this, like how much time you're saving, and it's definitely worth it. But you know, for students, so I, I some experience from selling the book in uh, in print, like before the launch uh, in November two thousand twelve, and the, uh, I was selling it for thirty dollars, and it's uh, spiral bound. It was, didn't look exactly the same as the Lulu version, which looks like more professional. And this guy just walked away and was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah thirty bucks, you know, not f u, but almost, right, you know, like." Right. 30 bucks is too much. And yeah. only yeah. when I dropped the, like I was just selling the mechanics chapter uh, because it's, uh, I was sort of advertising in front of the, the, the big mechanics course, 600 people in the mechanics lecture stepping out. And I was there, Hey guys, buy a book. And at $10, they were, they were buying it. Right. And you know, I, I know what you mean, but I'd prefer to have, the website as an advert, like, and I don't mean like advertisement, like, hey, buy the book. It's more like give free content on the web for free. Uh, that's tautology. Right. But, <laughs> I, I think we understand what you mean. Give, them, give the content on the web for free. Yeah. I mean, I have this uh, mechanics tutorial, which is seven page thing. Like I spent nearly the entire summer working on that because I think this is good advertisement. Give something for free that's actually self-contained. I mean, the book, I give out uh, sections from it, but I, I'm willing to give out, like really see, see what I'm offering. And hey, if, you, if it's free and if you're, uh, so a video would fit more in that category. It's like, hey, look, this is me. You're, you're, you, meet, you look the way I teach, but it's, 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 it's weird. Charging for stuff on the web, it's, it's not that it's weird, but some people have uh, different, like, for, for example, me, if I go to a website and someone says, give me five bucks to access this exclusive part of the website, uh, I, I, will, I don't have the same goodwill or like, you know, I'm like, okay, you guys are trying to make money off of me. Whereas if you're selling the book, the product, it's a bit like the GNU free documentation license. They say you're not allowed to sell GFLD content, but if you print it, you see, you're buying for the, you, you put this extra effort to make it into a printed book and you're totally allowed to sell GFLD manuals and stuff mm -hmm. because you, you know, you're, you put it like you printed it and it's this add-on service, which, but yeah, to be continued, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I would say to that is that, I, you know, it might be worth experimenting with a little bit just because, um, you know, you know, you, you probably, it's always, it's good to use yourself as sort of like a, just a baseline of like, you know, what would I think if I was approached by this or mm -hmm, if I had to pay mm -hmm. this? But, you know, obviously we're, 
aren't always our markets, right? I mean, you know, there there's lots of different people out there who have different motivations, different um, priorities, and different uh, uh, finances. <laughs> so um, anyway, it just seems like there might be some opportunity to charge for some things on the web, whether videos or or whatever, uh, to maximize your um, your profit and for your return. Because you know, it sounds like you put a ton of time into this thing, so it, it'd be nice for you to get uh, you know get right. get some serious return out of it. Okay, so I'll, I'll put it in the list. I'll put it in the list. You, you, <laughs> Sorry, you've, convinced I, I, me, you've convinced me to... No, because introspection is is a killer. Because you think, yeah. I wouldn't pay for this. So no yeah, one... Yeah, sometimes you're, we're you're, wrong. You're right. I mean, we, you're right. You talk about that in the startup world all the time. It's like, you know, it, it all depends. I mean, some of us have better intuitions than others. Some of us are closer to our... Or, or personally closer or more representative of our market than others are. And it, it, it all depends on that. I mean, some people are just have no sense of it and they have no idea about what people are going to do or not do. And some people are really good at just knowing. And um, a lot of times until you get out there in the market and test some things, you don't really know and you know, whatever. But so it, it, regardless, it's always, it's always, uh, you always want to test out stuff and, and, and run experiments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah. If don't, don't have opinions. Let, let experiments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let, it, let it guide you a little bit, you know I mean? You use your intuition, but you know, let the, let the data tell you. So, um, I actually have a, a couple of more questions. I wanted to jump back into the learning aspect of things a little bit. I realized I have a couple of questions I didn't uh, cover. You, you mentioned on the uh, um, on your site, you say, give me three weeks of your attention and I will teach you everything you need to know about equations, functions, vectors, limits, derivatives, integrals, forces, accelerations, and <laughs> optics. <laughs> the three weeks. So that's that's pretty bold. Three weeks is not a lot of time. Um, what are your thoughts on this sort of you know, the speed at which someone can learn a subject like physics or calculus. And in fact, in this one, learning them together. I mean, it sounds like you think they can get through it pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's perhaps, I mean, uh, at some point it said two weeks. <laughs> so then I, I changed it to three weeks to make it more. Well, think about it. Three weeks is almost a month, right? So Almost. <laughs> 75% of it. <laughs> right. So there no, there is there is a lot of stuff. There are like three courses in this book. Uh, calculus one, calculus two, this would be usually two semester sequence, and the mechanics, which as you said, is usually taken with the first calculus. Okay, I Optics, don't right? think you can master it right. in three weeks, but Listen, because okay, I'm biased because I see people do amazing things because their their motivation before the final exam, and I've seen people learn an entire course in two days. So I could have said six days, <laughs> that, that might- <laughs> but that would be obviously false. And depending on also, uh, I think that the key, the in terms of getting through the book, it's totally possible. Now, in terms of absorbing all the material that I'm throwing at the reader in such a short time, it's perhaps unrealistic. Like, I'll be honest with everyone here. <laughs> but it's, I, it's, it's, like you said, it's a subject to experimental verification. And once I have some exercises going on, and I would like to test this, uh, this claim, is that Give someone, listen, if you're doing it full time, if you're going to read in the evening before going to bed, I mean, no, it will take more than three weeks. 
or if you read in your free time. But if you're like really want to learn this material, three weeks would be enough. And just to give you uh, an idea, let's say you're taking a machine learning class. You know, the Coursera or uh, there is a bunch of them on the... Yeah, Udacity, Coursera. Right. right. So, or some subject that requires mechanics and calculus. So really your goal would be something more advanced than these two subjects. But then they say, hey, by the way, you need to know calculus and mechanics to take this course. So in that sense, you, you're not going to like lear- uh, go through my, my book and go sort of like, I'm learning this as like, this is the end of my learning. But it would be enough in three weeks, you would definitely get more out of it. And, you know, actually, you know, not more out of it, but like you actually learn all the techniques enough to use them in the next course. When I, because um, mastery is only attained by repeated like exercises and sort of really when you, when you start using these things, you will learn them. Right. But three weeks, I think is enough to go through them. And so for a motivated reader, oh, Asterix or Dagger, <laughs> right. a motivated reader could get through the material in three weeks. And with another couple of weeks of exercises, it would be possible. I mean, there right. was on Hacker News this summer, there was this post, some guy who took 20 classes on uh, the MIT course. Yeah, we, uh, we, that's Scott Young. We actually interviewed him. Oh, yeah. That, you know, like, there are crazy people like that that can do Yeah, he did. And he, and he was, so he did the four-year curriculum, the computer science curriculum in less than a year, I believe. Maybe it was 10 months or something, nine or 10 months. And, and this is, of course, MI, this is hardcore stuff. And and a lot of these courses didn't seem to always have very complete materials. It wasn't like it was a, you know, a Udacity course, right? There's a lot of handholding and a lot of great materials to go along with it. I mean, he got like some course notes and a textbook and a final exam in midterm, you know? And, but one thing I, I think I remember him talking about is like, he would do a course in about three weeks, if I recall. Mm. I mean, it might depend, but the, he he had different ways of doing it. Like he would do first, he would do the two or three courses at a time, and take like, or, you know, you know, like he was going through a semester or something, three or four courses, and in or a quarter, and and do them in a few months. But then he just started doing one at a time, and he would just push through it in like two three weeks, which is right. pretty crazy. That's it. I mean, this we we like. What's the point? Do you want to rush through it, and then? like not remember anything. I don't think that's the goal. And I guess one thing I can say is, let's say calculus two integral calculus. There is this entire section actually saying in the book, if you think this is boring reading, imagine how boring it was writing. I'm honest with the reason. Wait, 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 where was that from? That is great. Uh, it's so the techniques of integration. So the standard calculus two course, uh-huh. I mean, they, they teach you what an integral is, and then the entire course. I mean, uh, my friend is teaching now in a, in a college this, and it's I don't know how you could possibly make that interesting. It's just like a bunch of tricks that are standards. Like every textbook will teach you these tricks, and you have to learn them because back in the day, physicists used to do integrals by hand, but I mean, there is no, it's not like if you're learning for general culture, 
you could totally skip that section and you will not, your quality of life will not be diminished as a result of that. So a student, on the other hand... will be diminished if you learn it, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of tricks and this is, it's not for general culture, you know, like on the other hand, a student who has to take that class and, you know, he'll be examined, you have to write an exam on these tricks, then you want to give him the compact version so like it's complete but they can like uh it i'd say dense i don't mean um like fast because when people say fast or like we'll go through this quickly it has a connotation of being superficial right which is not what i'm going for with this book it's it's fast but it's just skipping all the conversational stuff which you know there's no filler let's let's say like this it's not fast because it's missing stuff Right. It's, it's, it's all there, but if you want to go fast, you can go fast with this book. And uh, yeah, but, but except for this section, everything else is of interest to everyone. But I just wanted to give one example of something that why this three weeks would be possible for someone, uh, you know, I'm thinking uh, the web developer who, or, you know, software guy who wants to learn calculus and physics they don't need to read techniques of integration for uh, 30 pages of tricks. And, and, you know, so in that sense, the entire Calculus 2 course, the integral calculus, ends up being just uh, 20 pages, if I'm not mistaken. So you can read 20 pages. You can, you know, it will be like, oh, wow, this is crazy stuff. And then you read a second time and then you're like, okay, I get it. It's not that, it's not that complicated. Right, right. Um, you, 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 one thing you do is you, on, on your um, website, you, you say that, you know, the textbooks are, the textbook industry, you want to revolutionize the textbook industry. You say that's your mission. Um, what do you think is fundamentally wrong about the textbooks that you've seen in, in, in these fields? Right. So that, that's, uh, that's the big the big opportunity is, you know, like when you see something, a field that has a, a big problem in it, it's actually, you, you know, instead of, uh, a- anyway, I'll just get to the answer instead of. <laughs> so, problem. Oh, yeah. We're not in a rush, obviously. So, so, so I went, if you go to the bookstore, okay, so they, they have a, it's a racket. That's the problem. Right. You have institutional decisions so that the calculus teachers at the university get, get together and they say, which textbook are we going to choose? You know, like a decision will be made. Let's, for example, McGill University, uh, they will buy, I know, the entire first year calculus is perhaps uh, maybe 1,000, 2,000 people, 2,000 customers who all purchase the uh, official textbook and which will cost $130. So this kind of uh, central purchasing, it's just, you know, you can imagine what happens, you know, people uh, try to, there's a textbook represent company representatives that go talk to the profs, take them out for dinner. I mean, I, I am not really part of that, but I imagine what happens, like the, the, you try to get this client, like, I mean, it's a big sales uh, effort so that your textbook gets chosen as the 
course uh, textbook for the entire university. Usually, the, you know, the university doesn't want to carry 20 textbooks, the bookstore, so they, they try to consolidate into one textbook. So imagine, you know, like that's how the sales works. It's not about the quality of the book. I mean, indirectly it is because if it's a good textbook, it has all the uh, material that any teacher would want to teach. So let's say I want to teach an uh, intro calculus class, like very uh, basic Right. Or like simpl- simplify. You don't want to go into too much detail. So, for example, uh, business uh, departments, they will not teach too much trigonometric like sines and cosines. They focus on, you know, exponential growth and this kind of things. So, you see, they will be like, oh, this book has the basic stuff in there. Uh, the science calculus teacher will say, no, 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 I want to teach more advanced topics. So, in this sense, like a book that has all the material perhaps even redundant material, will be better because more people can agree what, oh, we should get that book, even though like it has some extra chapters and it has some extra introductory chapters. That's how people purchase, like has nothing to do with what students want and to a certain extent doesn't have anything to do with what the, the profs want. It's more like, hey, here's a big publisher, that's their book and are we going to take it or not? It's kind of like the Microsoft uh, Start menu button. And they would uh-huh. talk about the Windows Start button. So it's like there's like 10 different ways to turn off your computer, shut down and sleep and I don't know, whatever they are. You know, so because in Microsoft, there was no, there's no one in charge to say there's just one to shut down. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, so, so to make everybody happy, you included, you know, seven or 10 different <laughs> ways of shutting the system down. Yeah. Hibernate. Yeah. Uh, right. It was just ridiculous, right? You're looking at Hibernate like, a little bit. Hibernate <laughs> a little sleep, but don't like, to- totally go to sleep because I want to wake you up. And then, but no, this is this is deep sleep. <laughs> yeah. So, and the user's just like, I don't know what the hell's going on. And it's the same reaction, you know, as a student, I would get when I would look at a textbook. I'd be like, oh, you know, I want to learn this. And I'd look at it and it was just so overwhelming. There was so much to it. I'm like, this is going to take me five years to get through. And when in reality the essence of it could be summarized in a very much more succinct book. I mean, the other stuff was just sort of, you know, tangential or, you know, auxiliary stuff. And I remember an example of how quickly you can learn stuff. I remember my, and I've told this on the show before, but I'll tell it here because I think it's kind of relevant. Um, my brother was uh, in, he had gone into the Marine Corps, dropped out of high school, gone to the Marine Corps, and then had come out and was going to community college before he transferred into uh, um, a four-year engineering school. And he had to take a bunch of remedial math courses because he had forgotten everything he learned. And uh, he, but he was getting straight A's when he was in his um, advanced algebra and trigonometry course. And he's like, you know, I think, I think I can get an A. I think I can do pre-calculus, but I don't think I can do calculus. Like, I think that's going to be too much. And I, had, I was a math major myself and I had, was back, it was like during a Christmas vacation or something. And I was back in town and I said, <laughs> Look at me a break. I mean, calculus, the hardest thing about calculus is the pre-calculus that you forgot. I mm-hmm. like, so come here, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to teach you calculus right now. <laughs> and over a period of about two and a half hours, I went through and I showed him, you know, I said, here's the definition of it. You know, here's, in, here's intuitively what a derivative is. 
You know, mm-hmm. here's the slope of the tangent line. We have secant lines and a tangent line, and let's kind of you know understand kind of what that is intuitively and definition of the derivative, and then product chain quotient rule stuff, and you know antiderivative integral, definite integral, went through all that stuff, and had him do problems at every stage, draw stuff out graphically, and do problems. It was like two and a half hours, and he had pretty much learned the essence of first semester calculus. There I'm like, that's pretty much it, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, we did related rates. We did max min and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was like, the rest are just going to be special cases, like integration by parts, integration by partial fractions. Yeah. Um, well, th- that's it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, what, what's special here is that he trusts you. When you say we can do this in two hours, he yeah. sat down and, and trusted you, you know? Yeah, and if if you if you have that, if like, I mean, you, you it's true. It can be done in two hours, and you just need someone to tell you, okay, two hours is extreme, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm sure with a little bit of exercises, he got everything. You talk, like you don't need a whole semester. Yeah, because I, I had him do. I would have him do. I would have him draw out graphically, like try and draw graphically. What what does this mean? So he would understand. And then I would have him do a, at least one example problem of everything we did, so that he had gotten through it. You know, and I, I wouldn't expect that a month that he could do all those problems. But when he would go into his calculus course in this, you know, in another semester or something, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know all this basically works. I get it." Mm. You know, yeah. Um, and because we were talking about the textbook, so imagine compare this. So. Uh, more specifically, imagine someone has to like miss school for one reason or another and miss three weeks of, sem- of the semester, so they're behind on their reading. And so in a regular textbook, this would be, uh, I'm now showing with my fingers, which is obviously useless as there is no video cam, but it would be like uh, half a centimeter in the textbook, like a lot of reading. Right of pages, you know, maybe 100 pages, 120 pages. That's intimidating. You know, you say, oh man, I'm behind and I have to read 100 pages. Yep. It's, you know, that's it. You lost that student. They will not sit down and read 100 pages to catch up for these three weeks. If on the other hand, you say, hey, look, you missed seven pages. It's, it's totally doable. And I find that the, 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 the way textbooks are, are written now, because you can say they're really bad. I mean, having someone uh, go step by step in uh, thousands of pages, go through it, perhaps it's good for someone who wants to take it easy and has the time to really dedicate to the course. This step-by-step approach could be appropriate for some people. But yeah. imagine that you, you want to go fast, then you can't go fast because it's just like a lot of fluff or... Uh, you know, there is conver- uh, you have to read 100 pages. Sorry, you can't read 100 pages in uh, a day. No, much less do problems, much less understand. That's it. So by, by the end of reading the 100 pages, you are so exhausted. When someone tells you do exercises, then you really learn. You're like, no, dude, you made me read 100 pages. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm stopping for today. Okay. Yeah, you figure out of the of the hundred people or the, who are going to try and read the hundred pages, I'm the only one who read the hundred, and I'm done. Like, page or ten, they're like, get it. I'm not reading uh, that. So, if you have a shorter exposure on the of the material, there's more chance that the the, the, the reader, the student, will have energy left over to actually go and and do exercises. And I think that's where the big problem right now. I mean, apart from the price and all that stuff, it's just they're too long. It's um, I think uh, I, 
I think I have a, a your your next uh, brand. Other than you, have, you can have your bullshit li- no bullshit line of books. Uh huh. You have your TLDR physics. TLDR. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Semicolon in a title. Why not? Calculus in twenty pages or fifty pages. Like you're gonna get through this in one day, right? TLDR mechanics. Just one word. Just one word. <laughs> like, dude, like this is all you got. I mean, it's like the Cliff's notes. TLDR physics. I think. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like the textbook industry is essentially, you know, they're they're trying to please please everybody. So it's just a big, gigantic. It's you know, designed by committee, you know. Yeah. It's not going to be nice. It's not going to be. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. It, it's uh, I find when uh, so teaching in in person when you teach a class, mm-hmm. the hardest thing is to get the pace right. So, because there's a variability in people's ability to understand, sure. And so, you can lose people both ways. If you, if you're too advanced for the audience, uh, obviously, you know they don't listen to you, and they're like, "Okay, well, it's crazy guy," right? Uh, and you drop off like zero. They they don't listen to you. But that's that's you know to be expected. What people don't realize is that if you go too slowly. You also lose people. Like, I am bored. I will stop listening to you. And then uh, maybe a few minutes later, like, I don't know what you're saying, but I stopped listening to you because you bored me. Right. Then it's the same problem. You, you don't teach. Because they, well, the teaching doesn't uh, happen because you were too slow. It's not people assume, like, if I go slowly, it will be better because then everyone can be on board. No, you just lopped, you lost the top of the uh, bell curve. Because they stop listening to you, you bore them. And yeah, perhaps that would be a good description of what I'm trying to do with the book is keep people <laughs> from being bored. You know, well, you know it, it kind of reminds me of all, this, all the math classes I took in you know, high school, whether it's high school or college. I mean, you sit there and they would watch the, the teacher and professor derive uh, this equation or work this proof for 20 minutes. And you're just <laughs> Dude, like I, all I would end up doing was staring out the window and or just scribbling on a piece of paper, and I'd look up every five minutes before I race the board and catch up real quick. Okay, okay, okay. It's kind of like when people are are are, t- are talk very slowly. All you mm-hmm. can be doing is putting words, is, is trying to finish the sentence for them, or you start <laughs> like I can't wait for you to finish this. You're killing, <laughs> you know. Right. So that's it. That's the um, art of teaching is, and that's what it's it's difficult in a book because when What's special about tutoring uh, is, and why tutoring is more efficient than uh, a classroom setting is that you can judge by the people's expression, by their eyes, you, you know if they got it or not. So you can sort of adjust the pace. And in a classroom, you, you can sort of, you have to do the average of the classroom. Right. And in a written book, you actually don't see the reader at all. So <laughs> it's, it's even harder. Right. But... I think that's really important is to keep keep the interest the keep the the reader interested and explain you know why are you learning this if it becomes like you you learning this because you have to i mean it's that's it it's a lost right you lost them so um before we wrap this thing up because i'm i'm getting um i'm getting a skype message from justin that we're running out of time here. <laughs> so I want to ask you, what other business ideas do you have in that folder of yours? Or, uh, there, <laughs> or are you planning on following anything else up other than um, pursuing your publishing um, 
venture? Um, oh, thank, thanks for the question. So, um, there's so continuing with the power of LaTeX. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there is this project we have with uh, my friend Adriano and a genius web developer uh, whose name is Jerome Gravelnike. He so it was a startup event like a Blitz weekend, I think it's it's called. Okay. And so what the the we we built um, LaTeX editor in the browser. Very cool. Yeah, that's very. Uh, th- th- there's, uh, there's been some attempts at doing things like that, like MathML and Mar- Markdown to do MathML, but I guess that's a little different than. Uh, than right. The- so these are, yeah, the presentation layer. Uh, I guess the, the best on that front is MathJax. Right. Which is yeah, an amazing framework. I mean, it's, it renders LaTeX very well in HTML. Um, and there's other projects like Share LaTeX and um, what's the other one? Write LaTeX. Mm-hmm. That you know they give you a web editor for LaTeX, right? Which compiles on server side. There was actually a, an even cooler project recently. This guy, um, sorry, forgot his name, but he used. It's a bit technical, but you you convert the LaTeX binary. It's a you know program on your computer. He compiled it to LLVM, which is some uh, virtual machine, low-level virtual machine thing. And right. there's a LLVM to JavaScript converter. Yep. So, so okay. now he has uh, uh, the real, like it's not a, a alternate parser for LaTeX. It's the actual binary that people use on their computer, PDF LaTeX, that runs in the browser. So you could write uh, LaTeX and then compile it in JavaScript. So that was like, whoa, how can you do that? Right. Ours is a little simpler. Uh, it's just, you know, the general problem with LaTeX is people don't understand the syntax. So we have, um, uh, our project was to make it like, it's more like human level. How can scientists collaborate when writing science papers? You know, give them a web form. Well, it's, you know, click to edit and all that stuff. But very yeah, Google, doc, Google Docs for... Exactly, exactly. Oh, well, well that's, that's a good subtitle. And <laughs> I'm still working on that. It's, uh, it's, it's in the works. I, have, um, I spent some time writing a LaTeX parser in JavaScript, which now is put into question since why do I need to have my own parser when I can have the real LaTeX parser, you know, in right, JavaScript. Right. But I think there's an opportunity because the, the, it's just version control there's these things that are completely standard in the uh, software development community, like uh, seeing diffs between uh, revisions, Yep. which in the science world, people still email each other the draft of the paper. And there's five people collaborate, co-authors on a paper. It's, it's just really inefficient. You know, scientists spend a lot of time coordinating. Okay, so are you editing or I have the right lock? You have the, like... As a as a scientist, I know the pain, and you would think, I mean, computer science, I mean, my collaborators, you would think physicists and mathematicians and computer scientists who know about Mercurio and Git, but no, they don't. So, like, it's still, when it gets to the command line, it gets complicated. So, there's an opportunity to, uh, I guess that would be the 
like you said, Google Docs for, for scientists. Papers. Yeah, for scientists, yeah. And I'm really focused on the LaTeX side because I find it to be an amazing uh, platform for producing documents. It's this high-level stuff like fonts, professional ligatures in the fonts, hyphenation. Like every time I look at something produced by Microsoft Word, I'm like, what? what? This hurts my eyes. Your eyes are bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> so if you give the power, if you have a web interface, you don't even need to tell them that it's LaTeX. If you yeah. give people a way to author uh, science and uh, in a neat way, like maybe even hide the complexities of LaTeX, you just say, yeah, yeah this is a web, web application. You know, don't worry about like, you don't even mention that it's written, that it runs LaTeX in the background. Um, then it's, it's, it has potential to actually change science, you know, like people, instead of writing, uh, everyone hacking their own, uh, WordPress math support, you could have, uh, a better way to author science papers. So that's in the works right now. That sounds like uh, a really good, uh, project because it's sort of, uh, it has, it's very close to your, your, your publishing effort as right. well. It's, all, it's right. kind of two sides of the same coin. And perhaps I can mention one word or very short about another project. It's more in the works. It's more uh, an algorithm than, uh, than a business. I'm, I want to offer it as a, as a service because I have some expertise in that. Part of my research in machine learning is this on this algorithm called Leighton Dirichlet allocation. Mm-hmm. I think Dirichlet, I was wondering how to pronounce it. It's an amazing thing. It's like yeah. Google scale stuff. You, given any document collection, think, uh, you know, my documents on your computer. Right. Uh, if you extract the text, the word counts of the text, uh, you can then categorize, like the algorithm finds categories which it calls topics. Uh-huh. And then you can browse your documents by topic. And it's, it sounds a bit magical, but it is magical. Like I ran it on some science papers. And so a topic is a list of words, a group of words that tend to co-occur. Right. So for example, uh, the linear algebra topic is like, uh, you know, matrix, uh, coefficient, vector, invertible, like it's just a bunch of words. The algorithm doesn't know, it's an unsupervised algorithm, so it doesn't know what... Um, it what just the, clusters them by... by exactly. By so it's a two-level thing. So there's clusters of words that are the topics, and then each document is represented as a mixture of these clusters. Right. So later on, if you want to say, well, show me the, top, the documents on my computer that have the most linear algebra in them. And so it will go through all the documents and and say, oh, well, this one has linear algebra and show it to you. So uh, it's very good. I mean, information overload is a big problem. And this algorithm, so it's by Blay, Jordan, and Ng from 2003. And so I've been, like, after I saw the results of what this algorithm can do, I've been uh, following up on that. And, uh, you know, I have some modifications on the, you know, research side, but I'm surprised that there is no, uh, I, I want to offer this as a service to, 
basically startup sending and people with data it's it's a great uh, information uh, reduction or how do you call this it's a f- impression yeah would you wouldn't you like imagine it 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 combines it's like orthogonal to search let's say you search and you you've uh, on google and you get yeah. 2000 results yeah you know wouldn't you like to cluster like watch uh subdivide the results by cluster and it's, yeah, well, it's, it, it seems like a, a lot of, um, I mean, that's been a big focus of mine is, is, is sort of trying to optimize my information compression. So it's like, there's so much stuff to read out there, but I find that so much of the stuff that I read, I, at the end of it, I could have summarized the essential point in like one or two sentences, the whole TLDR thing. And, and the reason that's important, I think, is that you can cover a lot more ground if you can sort of make things more efficient. You can, you can get more breadth, which is nice because you have more awareness of, 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 of things. And then you can, it's easier to synthesize them. So if, like, if, if, if there's no compression and it takes forever and you have the time to read one or two articles a night or a day as opposed to 10 or 20 then you have that much less awareness and it's that much less of an effective an algorithm. But at the same time, you want to make sure you don't miss the essential parts of it. I mean, right. otherwise, it's like it's just superficial. You don't understand anything. It's like, it's like there's this happy medium. It's like, I need more than a headline, but I don't need to read 2,000 words. Like, I eat three paragraphs, I get it, you know? Right. Well, that, that's, that would be the, the holy grail, Alg- uh, an algorithm that TLDRs everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> the TLD. But I think we need humans for that. I, I'm right. more on the, I believe that humans can play this role. And in fact, that's perhaps the only thing that uh, I call it information distillation. Yeah. If you know, you're an expert in uh, given fields, it's much more interesting to me what you, your expert opinion your expert summary is of this rather than some algorithm that's just like, oh, I saw this phrase and I'm going to put it in a TLDR. Yeah, you know, uh, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a company that did that. Cause, so we've talked about this in the show. I've been, I've been, this has been sort of my wish list. I wish this existed. <laughs> so like, I could click a button on my browser and so there's like this, you know, this 10-page article in, on the, in the Atlantic or on New York Times. Like, I want to read it, but it's like, man, if I read that, I'm not going to read anything else today. Can I just get the three-paragraph summary, you know? And... There have been a number of companies that have tried to do this in an automated fashion where they'll, you know, use, run some algorithm on it. And they've, every one of them I've looked at, they just suck. I mean, they just grab like the first sentence off of the first five paragraphs or I don't know, something. It seems like almost that dumb. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it takes a human being. Because um, I've tried to do that. Like I, I'll go through and I'll be reading an article in, in Instapaper and then I'll select a few key sentences or phrases and, po- and save it to Evernote. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, even then, in order to get the es- essence of those, I had to get the entire paragraph or three or four sentences. But if, if, if I took a minute, maybe, of my time, I could summarize that into like one sentence, those three paragraphs into one sentence, and, and enough so that I would remember that three months later. And if you ask me about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The humans don't, I mean, we're, f- in my opinion, we're far from AI. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> we, we need the human in the loop. And that, that's a good thing. I find that uh, that's, I've been trying to find this quote, who it is from, one of the founders of the web. If I'm not mistaken, Tim Berners-Lee, but it could be someone else. He said, well, you know, what was your motivation for inventing the web? And he said, I want people to be able to sell, like profit from their intellectual labor. And right. it really struck me as, you know, really like it's, 
we, we had, I mean, obviously porn has been the first, you know, why credit card processing uh, would develop is because of porn. And then you have like Amazon e-business, like uh, e-shopping, but really it hasn't been very intellectual, you know, like what are the intellect, I mean, these uh, video tutorials you were mentioning about is what the original vision was, you know, you, you produce stuff, you, you, you perhaps what my book can be seen as some summary of like you when I went on Wikipedia, I read everything about calculus. I mean, it didn't happen like that, but it could be. And then what I'm selling is this summarization or it's not summarization, distillation of the knowledge. It's like, and then people are willing to buy that because it's more efficient. It's, it's a better product than like somehow less is more. Less is, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, filtering out the, the noise, the signal for the noise. I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, that's big, obviously a big um, topic these days is the, the open academia movement, a- academic, I think, mm-hmm. ac- academic or ac- 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 <laughs> edu. can't remember which, <laughs> what the name of the site is. <clears throat> but that's a big effort, you know, um, by the mathematician with Tim Gowers, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're really pushing all these other academics to try and start making their their, uh, their articles, their um, publications, <clears throat> completely free and open from the start. So that I was just reading an article at night that talked about like, you know, when you publish something, it could sometimes be a year before it's out in a journal. Um, right, right. You spend a year, I mean, talk about the slowing down the learning cycle. I mean, if you had that out like immediately and you started getting comments and feedback from, you know, your peers in the community, I mean, it just, it just greatly increases the learning rate. And, uh, and the availability of having all that stuff locked up and having all of these journals locked up behind these publishing paywalls that are, in, that are incredibly expensive. They get like, what, 25, 30 bucks for an article? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's... that's, that, was, that's a- that was paid for largely by the, United, by the U.S. grants. <laughs> and the work was done by the, the... Most of the work was done by the researcher himself and the other reviewers or peer, review, peer reviewers who didn't even get paid either. Absolutely. I mean, this is another big uh, domain that's that's about to get uh, (laughs) like the textbook industry. uh, I'd say five, I mean, you know, we're talking about slow industries, but 10 years from now, the landscape of textbook publishers and academic publishing will look very different from what we see today. And that's only good for the people, you know, like it's, I'm excited to be part of this 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 generation that you know actually using technology for something good you know like okay pirating music it's it's great but now we have um, it's it's almost a Gutenberg scale you, know, you have suddenly people have access to knowledge and they don't need to pay uh, it's some crazy prices because I have access through my university mm-hmm. but when I click on a, someone sends me a link to a paper. And it's like they want twenty nine dollars for a PDF. I'm like, what? Right, like There's- a single, like maybe two pages uh, paper. And they're like, who, who? Well, how did you decide that? <laughs> like, what? And that's- like you said, it's the, the author. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other topic. We shouldn't. But I'm, but I'm, yeah, but I'm with you on that. I think you're right. But t- five to ten years, we're going to see massive disruption in both those markets. I think. Yeah, this next 10 years is going to be big for a lot of this education, you know, with the massively online courses and the textbooks and the open academic 
publishing movement. I mean, all these things are going to happen. I mean, it's not like they're not going to, universities aren't going to exist and textbook publishers aren't going to exist, but they're going to be, um, they're going to be forced to change their ways. Um, just like, you know, just like Linux didn't kill Microsoft, but it certainly changed. (laughs) You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, good times. Good times. I mean, I, it's, it's, I don't know. Do you know the book, uh, Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson? Yeah. My, my wife bought it for me for our, um, honeymoon, (laughs) 1999. Great book, right? But I, (laughs) I read a book. I read a. I, she ended up reading it because I was. I want. I'm sitting on this book on this beach in Plano, Carmen, reading "Fluid Concepts and Creative Analogies: Computer Models of the Fundamental Mechanisms of Thought" by Douglas Hofstetter. <laughs> okay. Like, why are you reading that? Why I read you the Cryptonomicon. So she just said, "Screw it, I'll read it." <laughs> I still haven't gotten it. Which is- oh yeah. Oh, see, uh, it's 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 a good book. I mean. He gets a little bit too much on the tangents, but uh, it's just a very inspirational quote in there where he says, like, you know, technology, like us as technologists, it's our job to fight uh, the system and, you, re- you know, like actually make a change. If you, if you say, like, uh, I mean, technology is a weapon in a way. That's, right. that's sort of where the, the, the gist of the quote and... It means like in the coming years, the weapon is coming to the, the, the people's side, you know, like we've, I can sit down on my computer and, and write a book. This wouldn't be possible, uh, you know, before print on demand, before uh, the internet. Well, how could I possibly reach such an audience? Uh, it would be like totally no go, you know, you'd have to go to a gatekeeper publisher, an editor who say, you can't use swear words in this book and who is to stop me now from using swear words in a, or whatever right. I want to. It's, that's why I'm, it's great times, great times, I think, uh, and better times to come. All right. It looks like we just lost the connection there, but Ivan, if you're listening to the show, it was great having you on. Uh, I guess that's a wrap. We're out.